He's a native Texan, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you today. You know, I, it, it's so funny. I was thinking yesterday about that. I come in here every morning and I say the same opening lines. That was not by design, but that was because I didn't know what to say. Um, when I uh, first started on the air, it's like, uh, hello, I'm here. Um, and so that just... Uh, kind of became it but i tell you what folks i am actually truly happy to be here i love what i do i love coming into this radio station every morning and i love sharing my thoughts my ideas with you um i make mistakes i love the fact that many of you contact me get in touch with me help me get out of some uh, mistakes i've made it's gonna happen i'm i'm only human as they say so we got some things on your calendar. We have uh, Jonathan Science is going to come up with us. We have a very special topic today, and that is Supreme Court Justice John Devine, who is getting raked through the coals for no other reason than the fact he is a good Christian conservative and about the only truly really good conservative we have on the Texas Supreme Court. So if you have not voted yet, and I hope you have not, um, you need to hear what's going to be said about um, uh, uh, Justice John Devine and uh, the folks who have know him and have known him for many years. So that's going to be here in about eight minutes. Um, but before that, uh, special prayers still for Evan Petch. I did not talk to I have not talked to Tara in the last 24 hours. I got a text with from her or an email yesterday. And uh, and uh, the last I heard, Evan was uh, going home out of intensive care, uh, which was a great sign. But we still need prayers for Evan and uh, support for Tara Petch and her family uh, for what they're going through right now. This is a man that is tough when you got a kid in ICU for what it was five days or something like that. So prayers for Evan Petch. We need him returned whole. God, just, man, bring him back in all of your glory. Bring him back, and you can do it with a word, even a thought. So that's our prayer, is to restore Evan Petch back to fully better than where he came from. All right, let's let's restore Evan and give him some bonus superpowers or something. Uh, we still need hand counters. But however, uh, I won't say this. To, well, I might say it tomorrow. Uh, hand counters, you have to be a registered to vote in Gillespie County, which means you have to be a resident of Gillespie County. And the um, you must take two of the trainings. I, I'm not going to call them trainings or practices because the training, honestly, I'm telling you, folks, the training takes about three minutes. The rest is practice. Um, and there's two practices left. There's one Thursday from 2 to 4, and then one Saturday from 10 to 2. So if you're going to help with hand counting, if you've been thinking about it, this is literally your last opportunity because there are only two practice sessions left, Thursday and Saturday. 
So please go to FredericksburgTeaParty.org or open up your Fredericksburg Tea Party newsletter you got on Monday and uh, get registered uh, with Kathy. Her phone number's there. If you want to ask her any questions, you can call Kathy later, and she will be glad to um, give you any information you need. But this is this is literally your last chance. All right, 228, that be today. There is a meet and greet at Cross Mountain. Um, a number of local candidates are going to be there. Kyle Biederman, Sarah Neal, who's a county attorney candidate, uh, uh, Susan King is going to be there. She is a uh, GOP uh, precinct 10. Uh, let's see, Wes Hesker, who is running for county commissioner place one, precinct one. And uh, I did say Bruce Tate and Kristen Andreas, and that is this evening from 530 to 7 at Cross Mountain Vineyard, the tasting room. That's 308 East Main Street. Oh, my goodness, I didn't see the small print. Here's a special bonus. For people from Precinct 10, if you're in Precinct 10 in Gillespie County, then Cross Mountain will give you a free glass of wine to the first 20 attendees from Precinct 10. That's special. There you go. That's special. So that's tonight. Um, 3-1, that would be Friday. There is going to be a meet and greet at uh, the Fly Gap Winery in Mason, and that is for Wes Verdell. And if you don't know it yet, Wes Verdell has been has been endorsed by none other than uh, Donald J. Trump. So he has been endorsed by Donald Trump. And uh, so there you go for Wes Verdell. That meet and greet is going to be in Mason uh, Friday evening at uh, from six to eight at the Fly Gap Winery. Folks, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be right back with uh, Jonathan Science. And, yes, I know I've missed Franklin a couple of days. Don't worry. He's coming back. 100% text on July He's 100% Texan. Matt Log on the Hill Country Patriot. Text on July The Hill Country Patriot. Right, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. Um, it was uh, interesting while we wait for the phone call from uh, Mr. Science. Um, the um, I was reading a, um, oh, for crying out loud, it was on uh, Texas Scorecard, and they had sent out a survey asking people about early voting, did they early vote or not. And um, the survey answers were very interesting. And one of them had to do with one of them had to do with um, the the um, uh, early voting said, uh, well, I don't like to early vote because there might be a scandal or something that comes up before Election Day. And I have a real problem with that. But that's not what I want to talk about right now, because I have Mr. Jonathan Science on the line. And uh, good morning, Mr. Science. Good morning, Matt. Always good to have you here on uh, Wednesday mornings. Thank you very much. Um, we are uh, still having mic issues, so I'm gonna. We, I have to cut you off when I speak and me off when you speak. So we'll do our. I'll do my best to not step on you. 
Um, but I'll start out by the, our topic for today is Supreme Court Justice John Devine. And um, we didn't hear anything in the, um, the news. There was nothing about Divine coming out or about this race until last week when my phone blew up and people all over this area, I guess all over the state, were getting texts that were horrible about John Divine. And I have known John Divine a long time, not near as long as uh, Jonathan Science has probably, but we're about to find out. Jonathan, would you talk to us about uh, uh, our Supreme Court Justice John Devine and why we should ignore all this junk and vote for him? Well, look, I mean, if you had to create a Christian conservative judge to sit on the Texas Supreme Court that knows how to be a constitutional originalist, knows how to fulfill his duty as a judge, and also if somebody that personally would demonstrate in their life support for pro-life, religious liberty, and many of the marriage and family causes that we care about. And to want a judge like that who, when stuff would come before the Texas Supreme Court, which it has on pro-life, marriage, and religious freedom, that he would stay true to his constitutional role as a judge and not legislate for on the bench. Uh, John Devine would be what you would want. Um, I don't know that if we had our way that we could even have thought to create someone who was so perfect and courageous and fit for this role. Now, he's not perfect. There's only one perfect person, and that's Jesus Christ. But um, he's done an incredible job, and he has set the standard on that court. And I think in many ways that's resulted in having more judges like him, constitutional originalists and so on, that uh, that have joined the court. Um, you got people like Jimmy Blacklock. Um, I think over time, Evan Young will settle into sort of that identity and, and role, if you will. Um, and maybe some of the ones that have been on the court for a while, you know, realizing that they're going to look bad if they continue to make decisions that are outside of their lane. So, uh, and I've known John Devine for close to 20 years. Um, I've also known Brian Walker for about the same length of time. Interestingly, um, is a, a challenger, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about him. But um, you know, look, you get close to a the end of an election season, and sometimes people are going to get desperate, and I think that's what happened. And sadly, um, you know, sometimes people will have enough time to catch headlines, and it doesn't always give the candidate a lot of time to respond. Uh, but I think people have known John Devine long enough to know and to see through this is just a you know, weak, last-minute political tactic and nothing more than that, and it should just be ignored. You know, I uh, when those first came out, uh, one of the things I talked about the next day uh, after that text came out was how and when I met John Devine. I got to know John through his wife, Nubia, about 10 years ago. I, By the way, I think I said longer than that uh, last time I spoke about it, but it was only about 10 years and the first time I met, and I'd fallen in love with Nubia. Uh, she was a Colombian or is a Colombian, and I had lived in Colombia for three years as an adult. And I, we, I met Nubia, and we talked Colombian food for I don't know how long. And so Nubia called me one day, and she said he and her, she and her husband are um, uh, going to be in Fredericksburg, and they'd like to have lunch with me. And I said, that's great. So I went down and sat down with Nubia Divine, a friend, a new friend, 
and her husband, this real kind of humble, quiet man, and 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 Nubia is a talker, and her and I are just talking away. And at some point in the conversation, I looked over and I said, uh, "So, John, what what do you do for a living?" Because I had no idea. And he says, "Oh, I'm a Texas Supreme Court justice." I about fell out of my chair. Um, and and the thing I've described about John over the years that I know him and my interaction with him is he's humble. He is a humble man. And um, that it, talk to us more about the character that you know of John Devine. Well, and uh, and I don't want to question you whether or not y'all talked about Columbia. I do think Nubia, her um, uh, you know country of origin is. Uh, Venezuela, but I could be wrong on that. No, you're right. It, it, is, it is Venezuela. It is Venezuela. You're right. But nonetheless, nonetheless um, and, you know, look, uh, John Devine is, you know, you'll see him out at a lot of events and, and showing support for things, but I do think as he settled into his role as the judge, you know, you don't see him doing that as often because he wants to stay true to what he's doing, but he's got a long history and legacy of being supportive of a lot of the issues that you and I care about. And, you know, he's a guy that I think is a, um, you know, really dedicated to what he's doing on the court and what that role is. He's got a deep understanding of it. And so I don't think he feels the need to wave his own flag a lot. Right. And, and, you know, he's been to some of our events. He's spoken at a few of our events and he's on the stage very open and transparent. And then when he leaves the stage, it's, it's not like there's an entourage around him and he's doing press conferences and all that stuff. And so he attends things and makes himself available. But to your point, you know, you may not know it. There's not a lot of fans there around him and he doesn't draw a lot of attention. And, um, and you're right. I mean, maybe has a little bit more of a, you know, um, talkative and outgoing personality that might draw people in a little bit more, you know, and here's John, you know, Sturdy and kind of, you know, and he is kind of strong. I don't know if you know that. He does work out a lot for a guy his age. He's, I joke around that he can certainly bench press more than me. But um, I, I just think that, you know, that's um, that's who he's been for a long time. But he's not afraid to do what's right, and that's when it counts the most. You know, it, it's not about what you say on the campaign trail and you know what you put in some ads. It's what you do on the court. And John Devine has a long history of being on the Texas Supreme Court with some court cases that have come up that have really, you know, sort of put some people to the test and have allowed people to see, okay, I see that judge is not willing to do the right thing here, but this judge is. I mean, Devine's been on a lot of, you know, situations where he's the dissent, right? He's sort of the lone or one of the few people saying this is not a good decision on an all-Republican Texas Supreme Court when issues have come up related to trying to redefine marriage. Um, he stood against that, even though a majority of the other court members did not. Um, when things came up that um, related to same-sex benefits, were, which were illegal at some point in Texas not that long ago, in the city of Houston, tried to get away with that. He, you know, he, he was very upfront about um, his role on that issue and, and being on the right side. And a variety of issues you know, that have come up over the years and so I just think he's someone that you can count on. And he's battle-tested, if you will, in his role at the Texas Supreme Court. 
You know, Jonathan, the um, <clears throat> it's funny. I, I read the Texas Tribune every morning and every afternoon. Please don't don't shoot me for that. But um, it is along with all other good sources. But the Texas Tribune is important to me mainly because it shows me what the left is up to. And uh, so when I popped up the headline, this was an article that was published yesterday, and it talked about leaked audio from Justice John Devine. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go. What did John say? And I'm thinking I can't imagine him saying anything. So I read the article and the the thing they leaked, the the speech he made that they have leaked, would make me want to go vote for him even more than I did before. Are you have you seen that article? Because I do have a question, a legal question about that article. Have you seen that uh, article yet, Jonathan? You know, I saw the headline, but I haven't listened to it. I was in Fort Worth yesterday. We were working on some issues related to that school district in sex education. So most of my day was there, which meant a lot of it was on the road there and on the road back last night. And so I saw the headline. I haven't listened to the audio. What I what struck me as interesting is what qualifies as a leaked audio, right? If he gave a speech in front of people, I don't think he was trying to hide it. I mean, like, I don't know what the context and setting was, but... If it's an audio of him giving a speech, I can't imagine it's something that he would have expected would have been private anyway, as if, you know, it was some private conversation. You know, they have to use, like, oh, there's this leaked audio. I mean, so it sounds like there was a lot of hype around it, um, you know, when it was unnecessary. But, no, I haven't listened to it. But I think, you know, the media is looking for stuff to have news on, people that, you know, I'm just imagining that, um, you know, would, either that person or people around that person that want someone else to win in that race, you know, try to throw some stuff out there just to distract people. Um, and I, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Texas Tribune is uh, enjoying playing along. You know, I'll, I'll have to tell you, it was a public speech. He was talking to a group of East Texas voters in, in, uh, in September. So you're right. It was not, this is not leaked audio. But the one thing he said, and this is where my legal question is, and I'm not going to quote everything he said, but the point he was making, and it was about a couple of of cases that had come to the Supreme Court where technicalities like they didn't cross the T or dot the I properly were being used in the Supreme Court to to either kick out a case or allow a case in. And so my question is, and we are a land of laws, and I get it, and that's what you studied and you have your degree in and your practice is, and it is about crossing the T's and dotting the I's. But my question is, when it gets to the Supreme Court, whether it be Texas or uh, Supreme Court of the United States, is there room for them to say, all right, let's, let's look at the constitutional basis of this and not get caught up in crossing the T's and dotting the I's? Is that a legitimate argument to make at the su- level of Supreme Court? Well, I'll give you a lawyer response. It depends. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'd have to know a little bit more about the situation and the exact wording of the law and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't know all that's been around sort of this topic of discussion because I haven't listened to the audio and, and so on. But I imagine 
a lot of it is judges being able to have the discretion to read the rules, to know the significance of a case, and know what their role is and, and to exercise it, right? I mean, you know, there are some rules that are pretty hard and fast. I mean, they're pretty black and white, right, um, that are not open to interpretation at all, or there isn't any case law that says, they'll say sometimes we do it this way, sometimes we do it that way, um, but sometimes not, you know. And so I have a lot of faith in someone like Justice Divine to make the right decision in those circumstances. Uh, you know what's interesting? Talk about leaked audio. When we talk about Texas Supreme Court, I'm still waiting to find out who that person was that leaked the, you know, um, early version of the Dobbs v. Jackson case that eventually overturned Roe versus Wade. That was leaked. Okay, that really was a leak, right? I mean, we still don't know who that person was, but I know I'm switching topics on you a little bit. Uh, that is something that is hard and fast, right? That's a rule that should not be violated. And so, um, you know, but I have a lot of faith in Justice Divine to make the best decisions and to do what's right in those circumstances. But a lot of voters are not even aware of the Texas Supreme Court. And I, and I want to use this as an, you know, an opportunity to educate people for just a second. We have two courts that are considered the, the court of last resort, if you will. One is the Texas Supreme Court. That's for civil cases. The other one is the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. That's for criminal cases. And so I'll make sure people aware of that because both those issues have candidates on the ballot this primary season, and people might be confused at who they are and, and what they do. Um, you know, but more and more we're seeing cases move up to the Texas Supreme Court. Some of that is a distrust with the federal system. So you have lawyers and litigants that want to stay in state court. We've got a lot more state laws on the books that relate to and uh, address issues of concern that you and I would care about. So we don't have to rely on some federal law or, the, or a federal judge. And there's some good ones out there, but particularly some that Trump has appointed. Um, but so I think you're going to see the Texas Supreme Court become more and more important for a lot of values issues. And so, you know, it makes sense to have people like John Devine on the court uh, who match up well on those type of issues. So, Jonathan, if uh, our listeners go to txvaluesaction.org, txvaluesaction.org, they're going to be able to see a list of those other justices that you are, that your organization is recommending. Am I correct on that, sir? That's correct. All right. That was a simple, that, that's a lawyer's answer right there. So, folks, um, txvaluesaction.org, and you can get a list of his recommendations and their organization's uh, recommendations um, for numerous candidates across the state, but when it comes to uh, turn, uh, when it comes to justices, I I I depend on people like Jonathan to uh, give me uh, to give me information on that because I, I I can talk about a county commissioner, but I I have a hard time talking about judges when I don't know that much. Jonathan, do you guys have an event coming up or anything that you would need to promote? Well, we're going to have a couple of events coming up right after the election. We're going to try to do one in a little bit closer to your area. We've got one in Round Rock on March 7th at lunch at the um, Sir Lawrence Stockade. We're going to be doing one in Conroe. We've got one scheduled in Fort Worth for March 16th. But as soon as we get one on the calendar um, for later in March to do sort of a legis- you know, primary election wrap-up, we'll let you know. But um, And check our website, too. 
you can see some of the events. Of course, later in the fall, we've got um, our our policy forum on September 13th and 14th here in Austin. We are, um, you know, we'll be out at the Republican convention in May. And so there's a couple of things out there that we'll be involved in that people can connect with us. You know, we're at two pastor events last week and we were at one in Dallas earlier this week. And this is sort of an event today. We're going to be in Houston at five o'clock for a prayer walk and protest against the satanic abortion statue that's on the campus of the university of Houston. So if people want to join us, if they know anybody out in the Houston area at five o'clock today on the U of H campus, that's where we'll be. You know, if if you have the time, I'm willing to go a little bit of overtime here. So that depends upon you. But would you tell us about this uh, statue and uh, and this uh, prayer that y'all are having? What tell us a little bit about this statue if you have the time? Um, look, I mean, this has been going on for. I don't know, two or three weeks now, if not a month, um, here in Texas. But this uh, satanic abortion statue came from, of all places, New York. Because it was out in, um, somewhere in near Madison Square Garden in New York, in, or Madison Avenue, I forget where it was. But there's a lot of history to this, you know, figure, whatever this, you know, thing is. You know, but it's really strange, and it looks satanic it's got horns and you know all kinds of weird stuff coming out of the head it's almost like some people sort of said it looks kind of like medusa and i mean it just is and the history of it though number one in, in part is to protest the overturning of roe versus wade so so the, all the big abortion obsessed advocates you know this is sort of their rallying point and their you know figure i guess their messiah i don't know what this statue um how it all came about as far as its design but it also has some connections to uh, a lot of satanic devil type of stuff, right? I mean, some of the words that have been used to describe it relate to that. We've got a big write-up on it on our website, txvalues.org, on that particular entity. And, um, it, you know, look, it, it, is, it really has no place on a college campus because of the satanic sort of devil worship side of it um, that's very concerning to a lot of people. Also, it suggests that the University of Houston is sort of supporting this protest, this pushback. It's one thing if there was something on campus and it's like, okay, everybody kind of has their views, but some things are, are over the top, and the, school, the University of Houston started by endorsing it, right? Really, like, uh, you know, pushing it. Uh, the word that I've heard is they spent money, taxpayer money, to have this uh, satanic abortion statue uh, transferred and shipped to Texas. Who knows how much that costs? Uh, and, and so what we heard last year was the, the University of Houston at least backed off sort of having a ceremony to celebrate it, and now they're just sort of allowing it to be on campus. But uh, we don't think that's good enough. I mean, we'd like to see this thing go. I mean, look, it's political propaganda anyway, and the, and the school district can try to back off all that they want. But they've already made it clear this is some type of agenda they're interested in pushing, and, you know, it's a little too late for them to back up and say, we're going to leave it on campus, but, you know, this is not something that we're really pushing. You know, the cat's already out of the bag on that. Um, but, look, we're a pro-life state. I mean, what are we having something to worship for for abortion? Abortion's illegal in the state of Texas. We've, we've moved beyond that, you know. And so, um, so we'll see what happens out there in University of Houston today. Um, but, 
Mary Elizabeth's going to be out there. I've got some, some family commitments this afternoon, so I'm going to stay here in Austin, but she's going to be out there with members of our team. Texas Right to Life is going to be out there, Texas Pastor Council, a lot of friendly groups. And so it'll be interesting to see what type of buzz that generates. The media's been talking about it a little bit, but we're seeing this, right? Where was this? In Iowa, there was some satanic statue they tried to say, you know, deserve some type of religious freedom protection. I mean, you know, they're way beyond any of that kind of stuff. And so, um, and a lot of people can continue to be concerned about sort of this evil devil, like satanic, you know, um, movement that you see in some parts of our country. I mean, I see it here in Williamson County in the Austin area in other parts of Texas. Um, and, and we can't just, you know, sort of shrug our shoulders and act like it's not a big deal. All right, folks, uh, Jonathan, thank you for going overtime with me today. I really appreciate it. And, folks, uh, double down on your prayers today for this group that's going to be in Houston. Um, that That's a scary place to be. And thank you for Mary Elizabeth for going out there and all the other organizations. Jonathan, thank you again. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Matt. And remember, we also have more information at freevotersguide.com for close to 400 uh, the candidates that are on the ballot, some of those that we're not covering with our specific endorsement. So God bless. All right. There you go. Folks, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we will be right back. And thank you for your patience with an overtime interview. He doesn't just complain into a microphone. Blah, 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 blah. Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. Right, we are back. Thank you so much for sticking around. We are your information station. I did get a text this morning about, um, and I'll have to uh, go back and uh, I will reply to this in case they're not listening. But um, the best voter guide you can find online uh, for locally, for locally, is if you're in Gillespie County, go to FredericksburgTeaParty.org. If you live in Kerr County, go to LITX. Liberty in Action, uh, L-I-T-X dot org. And if it's not something else, try something else. I get my I get a bubble in my brain every time I say L-I-T-X, L-I-A-T-X, and then I go, uh, which one is it? So I'm sure Jackie Jacqueline will probably text me any minute now. Um, I ran across an article this morning doing my regular scans and um, – there was something that really caught my eye, and I'm just going to spend a couple of minutes on it, but it was about a bill in Georgia. Seems like there's a lot of interesting things coming out of Georgia, good, bad, and otherwise these days. But uh, there is a bill in the Georgia legislature right now that I uh, I think Texas, we've got, listen, we've got till January. We've got plenty of time. We've got 11, 10 months to go ahead and be thinking about this and writing up uh, bills. But uh, there is a Georgia bill that says if you have a gun-free zone, all right, we're familiar with those, right, gun-free zones or double-aught-six or double-aught-sevens or whatever the uh, double-aughts are, uh, laws. We have gun-free zones, schools that put up signs, gun-free zone. By the way, I have a sign at my house uh, in my office window that says this is not 
a gun-free zone <laughs> and uh, uh, proud to have that up in my window as a warning. Um, but the law they're proposing in Georgia, and I'm saying this because we've had a lot of people try to fight to get rid of gun-free zones, and it's been a real uphill battle. I got a new strategy for you coming out of Georgia. What this bill says, that if you are a gun-free zone, you will be held legally and financially liable for anyone that gets harmed by a gun in your on your property. All right? So I know we've heard a lot of people say, well, we need to get rid of gun-free zones, and I agree with you, but that is such a tough battle. How about trying this one out? coming up in january how about saying here's simple gun free in fact why would anybody be against it right i mean why would you be against it first of all if you believe in gun free zones then there's not going to be any guns in there and what do you have to worry about right i mean that's what they tell us that if you put those signs up that uh that's gonna you know that if you put those signs up then there's not going to be any guns on campus So I don't see why the left would have a problem with a bill like that that says, yeah, if you're a gun-free zone and uh, something happens in your zone that um, harmed you are harmed by a gun in that gun-free zone, then you can hold the owners of that zone liable for damages, financial, whatever damages you want to do. I have not read the bill. I just read about it. But I thought it was a brilliant idea. I mean, it was, that just made my eyes go, whoa, what a great idea. So I want to uh, plant that seed for those of you who are in um, our Second Amendment uh, focus groups and Second Amendment groups uh, across the Hill Country. Let's write a bill on that. I think it would be great. We could also still file a get rid of gun-free zones bill. We could do both. We can do both of them. But I think adding this one and, and, and the how would you argue against it? Because, I mean, duh, put the sign up and nobody's going to bring any guns in. So what have they got to fear? I think this is an amazing idea. Thank you, Georgia. <laughs> All the junk that's been coming out of Georgia, there's some good stuff coming out of Georgia. And that's just one example. So. We're going to take another short break, and I will be right back. Fighting the good fight. Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. Stand and fight. Stand up. Stand and fight. Stand up. Stand and fight. No, I don't know if it's fair to bring in some Ted Nugent bump music on a Wednesday. It's just not right. I like to save Ted for Fridays. There we go. Thank you, Uncle Ted. Um, Harley mentioned something as we were uh, swapping uh, uh, chairs this morning. Uh, we've got about a little seven-minute window when I come scooting in here, and Harley has to get all of his... Uh, notes and papers and 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 websites and everything uh, changed over uh, to mine and uh, so we have little short quick discussions um every morning and the one this morning had to do with 
Have you seen a primary that looks like this in recent history? I I had to say no. I had to say no. I, and I started getting that feeling about a week or so or a week or so ago that eh, this is a much more contentious uh, primary than we've had in a long time. I am glad. I am so happy that this is contentious because what's been going on in Texas for 20 years is now coming to light that the Republicans were sending to Austin who just line up with the Democrats, give Democrat chair positions, fail to move Republican priorities through uh, the legislature, and then come back and ask for your vote as a Republican again, we have finally, <laughs> I think generally speaking, we've caught on. We, we know what's going on. And listen, you can tell that when you got so many of the old, I mean, you've got Strauss. Is it Strauss or is that Bonin? Oh, it's Bonin. That's who it is. There's a picture of Bonin, and and, and uh, uh, Dennis Bonin is like all bummed out because all of these grassroots are coming after people, and oh, this is so terrible. We've never heard those people talk about us. They ignored us because they knew they could ignore us because they knew we did not have the power or the weight or we were not. Let's. I'm going to correct that. We were not using the power and the influence that we have as grassroots. We have started using that influence, and you can see. I mean, they had to dig Rick Perry up and find him to come out and talk about how great Dade Phelan is. Are you serious? All right. Um, and uh, so I do believe that we are making making headway on this fight against the Transpublicans. And by the way, um, speaking of Transpublicans, I saw somewhere, let's see, maybe it was uh, John Devine. I'm trying to think. Uh, it might have been. I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but there was someone who used that term. I read it yesterday, and I was uh, shocked that uh, that is uh, it's actually starting to get used and uh so that was um i saw that statement yesterday from someone about the um and it came from someone who you would not expect it and uh it it was not john divine so just make sure i clear that up um but the the um the idea of rhinos and transpublicans and grassroots starting to show up and work and it's really, we're even seeing that locally. There was uh, several empty precinct seats in, in Kerr County. And uh, and uh, they had had a hard time. Excuse me. And they had had a hard time filling those seats, the Kerr County Republicans. So a couple of, uh, well, at least one. I'm going to say one. I know of one. I think it might have been two. So a good grassroots person stepped up and said, well, I'll run for that race. Nobody's wanted to be in that precinct seat for a long time. And so they filed for the precinct seat, and boom, out of the woodworks comes one of the Transpublicans to get in there and make sure that this grassroots person does not get the seat. This is a seat nobody wanted. The Transpublicans didn't want that seat in past years I, well i don't know whether they wanted it or not but they never bothered to put anybody in there when they had the opportunity 
And so now a grassroots person comes along and says, I'll sit in that seat. Nobody else will. And boom, right out of nowhere comes one of the rhinos ready to run against them. Folks, we've got a head of steam going, but it will mean nothing if you don't get your friends and family to go vote in the primary. It will mean absolutely nothing. I know if you're listening to this show, you're already voting. All right? I know that. I mean, unless you're like, you know, bedridden and you can't get up and change the channel and you have to listen to me because they forgot to move the radio, change the radio. <clears throat> I hope that's not true. But um, I think anybody listening here, you're voting. The next question is, are you making sure that everybody in your circle is voting? This is how important this is. If I have to go back up to the Capitol in January and 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 have to deal with a trans publican as my representative in House District 19, man, I'm going to be upset. All right, we need Kyle Biederman to go back up there because he is the real deal. We need West Verdell to go to the Capitol, and it's going to take more than just you voting on him. You've got to get your friends. You have got to get your family members out. Whatever it takes, bribe them. Just don't tell me about it. Take them to lunch, right? Say, hey, let's go vote on Tuesday. I'm buying lunch afterwards, all right? And, by the way, you can take anything into the, if you want to try to remember who you're voting for, you can take a scrap of paper, one of those cards you got in the mail. You cannot take your phone into vote with you so if you put your notes if you're you know under 30 or whatever and everything you do is on your iphone you're going to have to transfer it to paper and i know that may be difficult uh, from a view uh, gen uh, x y or zers or whatever that is um, but you know reach out to uh, an older generation and ask them what is this pencil thing you're talking about what is this pencil and paper thing you're talking about <laughs> all right don't take your phone in with your notes on your phone but you can take anything else in there and just don't leave it that uh, they don't like that very much either so um there you go so we are in the season of lent we are in the time of repentance the 40 days of lent and i've been learning quite a bit about the 40 days of lent and Today is day 13. It's Wednesday. It's called a water bowl. This is out of my friend's book called Celebration and Repentance, Devotional Meditations for Advent and Lent by Mike Sublett. And the scripture is uh, coming from the Interwoven Gospels um, by Zarly, 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 I guess. Um, and this is from Mark 14 and John 13. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, the devotional that Mike uh, wrote to go along with this says, The basin was as common as common could get. By the way, do you see a theme here? Everything that Mike so far has talked about, things that were common, common, common. The water was one of the most precious treasures in the land. The water came from community wells and then had to be carried as far as one lived from the well. No one wasted water. Since meals were eaten while reclining at a low table, the issues of smelly feet and ceremonial cleanliness made the custom of foot washing a priority. Most often, the lowliest servant was given the disgusting task of scrubbing off the crusted combo of dirt, dead skin, and sweat before rinsing the mess off with a little water as necessary. That was immediately followed by drying each foot with a dry towel. The apostles had made every preparation for that last supper except one. No foot washer. No lowly servant to scrub the repulsive toe jam and cleanse the filthy feet. This is another one of those stories that I am tempted to read and bark out. Can't you see what needs to be done? Quit arguing about who among you is the greatest and get up and start washing those feet. In those, remo- in those moments, I resemble a drill sergeant more than Jesus. Now, when my snootiness erupts while reading this story, the Holy Spirit is faithful to prick my heart and engage the video projector in my head. Instantly, I began to see a slideshow of all the lowly tasks that I have walked right on by without lifting a finger to serve. Why is this self-centered laziness so easy to see in others and so easy to overlook when it is me. Jesus said he'd come to be served, but to serve, and then he showed, I'm sorry, I'm going to read that again. Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve. And then he showed everyone in this upper room that those weren't just cheap words. Oh, my, I sure I have a long way to go. Please, God, help me get there by your grace. And so uh, there we go. Um, Mike does have a prayer that goes along with this, and I would like to read you the prayer. He says, Lord Jesus, I think I really do want to be a better servant, more like you. But I'm almost afraid to say that to you out loud. I know that seems so silly for a grown-up to say, But I have learned that every time I ask you for help, you always help. So that means that if I cry out to be a better servant, then you will faithfully come and bring into my life what I need to become one. And that probably won't be blessings. So I guess I have to decide how badly I really want to be more like you. If I'm honest, I have to pray. Lord, I want to be a servant like you you. There you go. Words from Mike Sublet. Y'all stay tuned for Lorraine. I'll bet she's got some good words. See y'all manana. KRNH HD2, Kerrville, K271CH, Fredericksburg.